Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right, the last several weeks we've been going through a character study called uh, Portraits of Grace, where we have been looking at different people from the Bible and studying out their lives. And tonight we're talking about Peter. And I have to admit, I was actually a little nervous, actually a lot nervous, about this study uh, tonight. Because everyone knows Peter, right? I mean, even sometimes people who don't go to church or maybe who had, couldn't name one book of the Bible know Peter. Um, in, in fact, I can almost guarantee if you have ever heard a sermon on one of the disciples in your lifetime here at church, there's about 50-50 shot it's about Peter. If it wasn't Peter, it was probably about John. Those are about the only two we ever preach on. And granted, those are the two we probably know the most about, uh, probably more than all the other uh, 10 combined. But I came in here realizing that I have a blessing and a curse tonight. The blessing is that many of you are probably pretty familiar with Peter. And the curse is that many of you are probably pretty familiar with Peter. <laughs> So here's what I want you to do. It's the same advice I have given in these studies before. I want you to take everything that you know about Peter. Think about all the details you know, all the stories you know, everything you know about Peter. All right? And I want you to put that in a box in your mind. Got that? Put it in a box in your mind. Put a nice little bow around the box. Tie it. And push the box off to the side for the next 30 minutes. (laughs) And I want you to pretend like you have never heard about this guy named Peter before in your life. You don't know him. You don't know any of these stories. This is your first time. You're coming in fresh. And I want to see if we can get a fresh take on the life of Peter. So by the end of the study tonight, I want to get across to you one main idea. And it's that mistakes are just opportunities for God to grow you and make you a better person. Mistakes, failures, sins, bad habits, addictions, whatever you want to call them, they do not have to be what defines you. I think too often we define ourselves in our own minds by our shortcomings because, well, we know them. <laughs> we, we know shortcomings. I know shortcomings I have that you don't know about. You have shortcomings you have that I don't know about, so we feel like they are the most important part of us sometimes. But if you can learn anything from the life of Peter, let it be that even in your hardest, most stress-filled, most confusing, most doubt-filled days, those days of your life can be stepping stones of God's grace. Sound good? All right. So I'm going to go full Jersey speed on you here tonight. So if you're taking notes, write fast. (laughs) For starters, let's talk about his name. We're used to calling him Peter. But did you realize that is actually not his name? That's a nickname that Jesus gave him uh, a little bit into the ministry. So we don't know exactly how old Peter was at the time of the gospel accounts, 20, 30, 40, let's just say 30 for you know, throwing a number out there. That means that 30 years of his life went by without anyone ever calling him Peter. Our English Bibles call him Simon, but he was born into a Jewish family, so his birth name would have been Shimeon. Can you say that with me? 
Shimeon. Good, good. Oh, we are lively tonight. I like this. All right. Shimeon is a name that means uh, he hears, usually meaning God hears. Um, do you guys remember, this was months ago, so I'm really testing you here. Uh, months ago, I preached uh, a message focusing on Deuteronomy 6.4, and the verse that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I said that the Jewish people have a name that they call that verse. Do you remember what the name is for that verse? Anyone? Because they name it off of the first word from the verse. Yeah. <laughs> they call it the Shema because the first word of the verse is Shema. Hear, listen, obey. Do you hear Shema in Shimeon? Shema'on. It's the same root there. He hears. Uh, and the, the first time that this name appeared was when Leah, one of the wives of Jacob, gave it to her second-born son. Uh, you'll remember with me back in the Genesis account where um, Jacob had been favoring his one wife, Rachel. So God gave uh, Leah, who had previously been childless, a whole bunch of children in really quick succession. Well, the second one was named Shimeon because she felt like God had finally heard her prayers. So for a Jewish mother to name her son Shimeon was calling back to that time when God had just started the nation with, with Abraham. It was very significant. And that's not all. Shimeon was also the name of both the great-grandfather and the brother of Judas Maccabeus. You say, all right, what's so special about that? Well, actually, a lot. Judas Maccabeus was a man who lived about 150 years before our Shimeon tonight was born. He was a revolutionary who had led a band of Jewish people against the Greek Seleucid Empire that was ruling over them at the time, in between the two testaments. He worked to restart the nation of Israel centuries before, um, or and after centuries of foreign occupation, going all the way back to the time of Daniel. So the name Shimeon had a lot of historical significance for a Jewish family. That is the name that the guy we call Peter had. Now let's talk about his home for a minute. We know from a few passages that he was married because early on in following Jesus, his mother-in-law had, um, had gone sick and Jesus healed her. So if he had a mother-in-law, it means he had a wife. No one gets a mother-in-law without getting a wife along with it. That would, never mind, we won't get into that. I'll get myself in trouble. <laughs> we know he had at least one brother. Anyone know the name of the brother? Anyone know the name of Shimeon's brother, Simon Peter's brother? Yeah, yeah, I heard that somewhere in there. Andrew. And the Gospel of John clues us in on another family member's name, his father. His father's name was Jonah. And I find that significant. When the Bible recycles the name of a person or a place or sometimes even a phrase, it's usually expecting you to read the story you're in now in light of the one that that name or phrase previously appeared in. It's like, um, it's like a hyperlink. You know, if you're reading like Wikipedia or a news article or something, you've got that glowing blue text, you click on it, it takes you to another web page. That's a hyperlink. The Bible's full of those, and not necessarily blue underlined text, but words, phrases, they're repeated, place names, people's names, they're supposed to then get you jumping back in your mind to other stories. So when I think of Jonah, I think of someone whom God wanted to use and who wanted to be used of God, but he reached a point where he realized that what God wanted and what he wanted were two very different things. And that set him up for a life-changing decision where he had to think, will I accept these people that God wants to save? That general idea, Jonah, right? Did I summarize it okay? Yeah. All right, keep that in the back of your mind. That's going to come into play at the end of the story. 
One more important piece of background, and then we're gonna dive in. I know I am front-ending this uh, very heavily, doing that on purpose so you can get in the mindset of where these stories are gonna be. Shimeon lived on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you remember, Israel is about the size of New Jersey, so it gives you a pretty good idea. Where we are here, if you imagine New Jersey or Israel, we've got the Atlantic Ocean here on our right side. Well, Israel has water on the right side also, but on the top, it's the Sea of Galilee, then you got the Jordan River where um, Joshua crossed and Jesus was baptized and all that. And then it goes down to the Dead Sea. So you've got three bodies of water all there along that right side. Shimeon was from the very northeast tip on the far side of the Sea of Galilee. So like for us, that would be, I don't know, maybe around Newark area if you want to compare it where New Jersey is. But even further, like for, for us, we can't do that because you're in the Atlantic Ocean. For them, you could because there was still land there. But he was like right on the line of Israel and the neighboring provinces. And he lived in a fishing village called, get this, Fishing Village. <laughs> that was literally the name of it. No kidding. Um, the town was called Bethsaida. And in Hebrew, remember, this is Jewish culture that they're in. Beth means house. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And you guys know what that means? What the name of Bethlehem means? House of bread. Good job, John. Bet, house, lechem, bread. House of bread. So if bet, saeda, bet, house, saeda was a word that meant uh, fisher, fishing, or hunting. So it was house of fishing, or basically fishing village where he lived. Now, interestingly enough, right at this time that Shimeon is living, bet, saeda was um, commandeered by the son of Herod the Great. The exact same Herod the Great from the nativity story, who had wiped out all the babies trying to get to Jesus. So that guy's son muscles in on Bethsaida and says, I want to make this a royal town, and in fact, when I die, I want to be buried there. Now, the Herods were not well-liked at all in Israel. You guys remember when I mentioned Jewish Maccabeus just a few minutes ago, where he led the revolution and made a semi-independent Israel? The Jews loved him because he set up a... Um, a new kingdom that was basically ruled by the Jews in between the Testaments. Well, Herod is the entire reason that kingdom stopped. He came in, stomped on it, and said, Rome rules now. So how do you think the people of Bethsaida felt about Herod and his family muscling in on their little fishing village? How do you think a fisherman by the name of Jonah and his wife and their kids, Andrew and Shimeon, would have felt about it? Probably not great. Uh, in fact, politically, this more than likely would have turned the family into Jewish loyalists who would have been antagonistic against the ruling powers. All right, got all that in your mind? This is the world you step into as we meet Shimeon in John 140. So you can turn there. I'm going to be hopping around a little bit. Um, this is not uh, a verse by verse of a passage. It is a character study. And to do that, we need to study the character. So we're going to be all over, mostly in John, Luke, Matthew. I'm going to try to keep it pretty streamlined, but uh, there's going to be a little bit of hopping. John 1, verse 40. One of the two which heard John, that's John, the guy who would baptize a lot, speak, they followed him. One was Andrew, Simon, Shimon, Peter's brother. So this is talking about John, we call him John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, he... he um, he believed that God was going to restore the glory days of David and Solomon, the kingdom days of Israel. But he believed that if God was going to do that, the people of Israel had to get serious. They had to actually start acting like they wanted to serve God. So he started baptizing people. 
it wasn't exactly the same as what we did here uh, last Sunday. When we baptized, we baptized because somebody got saved, and it's a public way of saying, hey, I got saved. Like, I, I want people to know this. For John, it was people who already believed in God, already believed in Yahweh, but they said, I haven't been living like it. I have been away from God. I've been living like the Romans around me, but I want to get back with God. That's what we would call rededication, maybe. That was his idea of baptizing, as it was like a, a rededication into serving Yahweh. And he had a decent following at his time. One of them was Andrew, Simon Shimeon's brother. And this Andrew finds his brother Shimeon, says to him, verse 41, we found the Messiah, the, the, the Christ, the one that we've been looking for this whole time. He brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, you're Shimeon, the son of Jonah. You're going to be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. All right, can, can we just think about how ridiculous this is for a second? Imagine meeting someone you have never met before in your life. Before you even get a word out to say, hi, my name is, he says, oh yeah, I know your dad. By the way, I'm going to change your name. See you later. <laughs> that, that's not normal. <laughs> Apparently, Jesus did not read how to win friends and influence people. Like This is not how you go about that. But it was what Shimeon needed. It, it apparently made a difference to him because uh, we needed that for Luke 5 to happen. If you flip over to Luke 5, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's just another word for the Sea of Galilee. So we're in Shimeon's homeland again. We're right outside the fishing village. And Jesus saw two ships standing by the lake, Luke 5, 2. But the fishermen, they, they were going out of them. They were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Shimeon's. And he prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down, he taught the people out of the ship. So apparently Shimeon is, invest, is interesting, uh, interested enough in Jesus to say, eh, you can use my boat while I'm not using it, all right? Like, no. I'll, I'll sit back and listen, you know, pretend like I'm not listening, but I'll listen a little bit. And when Jesus had left speaking, he said to Shimeon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draw. That word means catch. You're, you're, you're going to get a big catch of fish. And you guys know a lot of the rest of the story. Shimeon looks at Jesus and he says, um, look, no disrespect, but we've been at this our whole lives. Like, you know, dad's had us on the boat since we were like five or six before we could even walk. You know, we've been fishing. Look, we were at this all night. We caught nothing. If we can't catch nothing as fishermen, look, no disrespect, but you're a carpenter. You know, you know what I'm saying? And Jesus says, no, no, do it. And for some reason, Peter does it. I mean, if I walked into uh, any of your places of work tomorrow and I said, hey, here's a recommendation for you. Most of you would probably look at me like I had two heads and go, what are you talking about? This is my job. Or, or imagine if somebody walked into your house and said, you decorate it like this? <laughs> No, this isn't how you want to decorate your house. Let me show you how to decorate your house. You're like, this is my house. I get to decorate it how I want. But Shimeon listened to Jesus. And you know the rest of the story. They got a literal boatload of fish coming in. And that changed his life. Next significant event uh, to help us understand his story happened in Luke 8, verses 45 and 51. Jesus said, he, Jesus has been walking through a big crowd here. And he says, who touched me? When everyone denied them, well, not me. <laughs> Peter and they that were with him said, um, Master, look, the multitude's thronging you about, and, and you're saying, who touched me? Like, really? Did you catch how it was worded in the verse? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said. He's a spokesman for the group. 
It doesn't show as clearly in English, but that said, for any grammar nerds in here, it's, it's third singular. In other words, that's not saying all the disciples said, it's saying Peter spoke for the disciples here. And he said, uh, and he addressed Jesus on their behalf. Then in verse 51, when he, that is Jesus, came to the house, he suffered, he didn't allow anyone to go in, save except for Peter, James, John, and the father and mother of the maiden. So Peter, Shimon, somehow ends up in Jesus' best friend group. And we're not told how. We're not told how, we're not told when, how long it took, why exactly. Did, did Peter ask to be in the group? Did Jesus ask Peter to be in the group? Did it just kind of happen? Like they, Jesus went somewhere and he said, hey, can I tag along? He said, yeah, sure. We don't know. It's left up to our imaginations. Um, that's something fun to think about. A little while later, in Matthew 14, we have the famous walking on water passage that most of you guys know. Uh, the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee again, and they hit a storm that bested even the most experienced fishermen in the group. And then they see something that you do not see every day. And if you do see this every day, you should go see a doctor, because this is not normal. They looked out, and they saw their friend, their teacher, walking on top of this storm that's about to capsize their boat towards them. And in Matthew 14, 28, Peter answers, says to him, Lord, if it's really you, if it be thou, bid me come out on the water. Now, I don't know what was going through Peter's mind. What I can pretty much guarantee you is he was not expecting the response that he got. <laughs> uh, if, if I had to take a guess, I would think that Peter probably thought, man, we're just hallucinating and I'm going to prove we're hallucinating because I'm going to tell this hallucination, hey, if it's you, let me come out. And when the hallucination doesn't answer, we're going to know we're all just having a rough time here at sea. But then the hallucination answers and goes, oh, wait a second. That, that's not just us seeing things. Now, I know we give Peter all kinds of flack for losing sight of Jesus and starting to sink. And I, I get that, that's there. But I think that part of it has almost been preached to death. So can I just pull you aside for a second and think about the faith it took to step out of the bow in the first place. <laughs> Have any of you guys ever um, done like skydiving or bungee jumping or maybe even jumped off of like a cliff into the ocean. Man, we do not have an adventurous church here tonight. <laughs> okay. Oh, we got one, Doug. All right. What did you do, Doug? Wow. All right. We have counseling sessions afterward. Pastor Yunus is here today. <laughs> All right. Well, if you, I, I have not done any of those. The closest I came was like a 25-foot high dive or something. But even that, I'm a chicken on, okay? And, and Doug, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the falling isn't the hard part. It's the first step, right? To be able to convince yourself a lot of times of, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, this is ridiculous. Okay, Im imagine that stepping into a monsoon. Like, the boat is not safe right now. The boat is about to capsize. The water is even less safe. But what am I going to do? I'm going to jump out onto the water. That took some faith. It, was, it, it says something about his character that he, he flies by the seat of his pants. He, he has incredibly high highs that he hits. He has incredibly low lows. He, Peter uh, is what we would call an extrovert today, if, if we were to label him that way. And we see this happen just again, uh, again just a few chapters later in Matthew 16, 13. Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, uh, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Where are you here? And I think, uh, Pastor Yanizzi, I think one of the times you visited, you said, what's the word on the street is how you defined it. What, what, what are people saying about me? And the disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. I mean, that's 
a little weird because he just died, but you know, that's one conspiracy theory. Uh, or some say Elijah. That's even weirder because he died way longer ago than John, but that's another, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, yeah, 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 okay. Who do you think I am? <laughs> and Simon Peter answers and says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we have been waiting for since Eden. You're the one who's supposed to fix this whole mess that we're in. Incredible. And yet just a few verses later, he also uh, rebukes Jesus because Jesus starts saying, all right, look, you guys aren't going to understand this. It's not going to make sense, but I have to go die. And Peter goes, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no I, I, I think you got that wrong. That's not going to happen. I think one of the things that's so awesome about the Bible is it doesn't just tell you the good parts of people's lives. This isn't a biography. You know, you ever read a biography of someone who is still alive and they had to like approve the biography so everything that you read is like all uh, rosy and it all sounds nice? That's not the way the Bible is. It shares both the highs and the lows. And, and Peter is one of those people who had a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, I know sometimes we can think they're almost like super Christians because, I mean, we're sitting here on a Wednesday night taking time out of our day to study them. No one's taking time out of their day to study me. So apparently, you know, Peter had a, you know, was better at this than me. They were human. They were just like you and I. They had mistakes. They had doubts. They had struggles. And it wasn't all rosy. Even, I mean, sometimes we say, I'd love to walk with Jesus. And, yeah, I mean, I, I would. That would have been cool. But that doesn't mean you would have had all your questions answered. You sometimes I hear Christians say, man, I wish I could just been one of the disciples. I would ask Jesus all my questions. I'm like, have you read the answers he gave? You would still have a lot of questions if you actually got to ask these to Jesus at that time. That's, that's where Peter is right now. He's got these doubts, but he's still, he's trying to, to do everything he can to be a part of it. Matthew 17, he is again just with James and John when they witness something incredible. On top of a mountain, they have a vision of Moses and Elijah. They hear an audible voice from the sky. Uh, Jesus starts radiating a tangible glory. It's crazy weird, but it's an experience that Peter never forgets. But yet, he still doesn't have it all figured out. Just a couple chapters later in Matthew 19, 27, you begin to see some doubts creep into his mind. He goes up to Jesus and he says, Behold, we've forsaken all. We've followed you. What shall we have there for? That's Matthew 19, 27. And Jesus goes on to say, essentially, I paraphrase, don't worry, if you have missed out on anything for following me, God's going to make sure you didn't miss out. Luke 22, Jesus assigns him to help John prepare the Passover. And during that meal, we see just how much Shimeon loved and respected his Lord. Jesus has been washing the disciples' feet. He comes to uh, Shimeon Peter, and Peter says to him, um, Lord, <laughs> um, you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I do, you don't know right now. You know it's not, but you'll know hereafter. You'll understand it then. Peter says, mm, mm -mm. nope, nope, you, nope, you're not washing my feet. No. And Jesus goes, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And I love that's like where Peter basically like jumps back in the book. Okay, <laughs> not just my feet, my head and my hands. Get it all right here, right? Like, he doesn't get all of the answers, but he is all in. He, he just dives right in. He says, we'll figure it out as we go. In Matthew 26, he's again with James and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, alone with Jesus, and he and all the rest fall asleep because they were imitating every Baptist youth group ever. They were pulling an all-nighter, uh, but they didn't have the benefit of Mountain Dew and pizza, so that's why they fell asleep. So, in the meantime, Judas returned with some armed guards. John 18.10, Shimeon Peter, having a sword, he drew it in the, and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. 
I know, John 18.10. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, there's that little aside there. If you ever read in your Bible and there's something that you're like, why, why is this here? It doesn't feel like it fits. It's probably there for a reason, for something you're going to need to know in a minute. And that is exactly the case here. So keep this in the front of your mind. You're going to need it in about two minutes here. The servant's name was Malchus, John 18.10. And then Jesus said to Peter, put up your sword back into your sheath. The cup that my father has given me, shouldn't I drink it? Imagine how Peter's mind would have been spinning right now. Have you ever done something nice for someone and they didn't appreciate it? Or worse yet, they totally missed the point of what you were trying to do and they actually like, got angry at you for something? And you're like, I was just trying to do something nice for you. Okay, imagine that, but then add to it, think that your friend was being hunted by the FBI for something he never did. And you risk your life for that friend by pulling a knife on the FBI agent. Just to have your friend turn around and say, you missed the point. I need to go with them. That's what just happened here. Shimon would have been questioning everything that he had ever thought was true. He's thinking, did I just waste the last three years of my life? Did I just throw away whatever little bit is left of it? I mean, I am on Rome's number one hit list right now. He's at a crisis point. He has to know. So he sneaks to the trial through a friend of a friend, and he watches from afar. Many of you know the rest of the story. A woman comes up to him and, and says, hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? And he said, nah, 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 nope. Some other people come over, they recognize him, and he lies to them too, saying, I never even heard of that guy. What are you talking about? Then one of Malchus' relatives comes up. Remember, I said that name would be important. One of the relatives of the guy whose ear was cut off comes up and says, you were in the garden. I recognize you. And Peter swears under oath, I wasn't there. I don't know him. No clue what you're talking about. And just as Jesus had previously predicted, the rooster crowed and reality set in. How would you be feeling right now? Everything you have believed your whole life has been called into question. Probably sometime in the next 24 hours, someone's going to come rushing to you out of breath to tell you that your friend and mentor had a guilty verdict and was publicly humiliated and killed like a common criminal. Your life's over. How significant then that one of the first messages Jesus gives after his resurrection, Mark 16, 7, go your way, tell the disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. You'll see him as he said to you. Did you catch that? He singled out Peter. I love how personal that is. When something bad or shameful happens, we as human beings naturally, we hide within ourselves. We want to isolate ourselves and get away from other people, even the people that we love. Sometimes we're even mean or rude to those people in that time. But friends, when you have that desire for isolation after some negative event in your life, that is almost always when you most need the interaction and touch of another human being. And Jesus was doing exactly that with Peter. It's like when, when you have a kid who's pulling away from his parent and the parent pulls him back into a big hug because they know they need it right then. That is what Jesus is doing to Shimeon. And it pays off. Shimeon hears the message and he runs not to but into the empty tomb. He's still confused and he still has a living that he has to make. So in John 21, he goes back to fish. Isn't it interesting how the gospel's first main story with Peter has him fishing and the last main story of Peter has him fishing. Many of you know the rest of the story from John 21. The disciples, they fish all night, they catch nothing. Sound kind of like that first story again. 
and they see a man off in the distance. He's too far away to identify, but he calls out to them and says, cast your net on the other side. They do, and the fish just start hopping into the boat, and the light bulb goes on for Peter, and he says, that can only be one man. And yet again, he jumps off the boat to get to Jesus as fast as he can. Then after the best fish fry he's ever had in his life, Jesus recommissions him. He says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. In other words, serve me by serving my people. And Shimeon does exactly that. Just a month and a half later on the Jewish holiday of Pentecost, we find him standing up in front of a crowd of thousands, sharing with them how Jesus changed his life and could change theirs as well. In Acts 3, he works a miracle of healing the lame man at the temple with John. Acts 4, he and John are arrested by the very same people who had just arrested and killed Jesus a couple months earlier. But this time he doesn't react with violence or fear. He shares his message with boldness and grace. By Acts 5, this same Shimeon, the one that we have talked about for the last half hour with all the highs, with all the lows, he's leading the church at Jerusalem. (laughs) And his story comes to a resoundingly satisfying climax in Acts 10, where he reluctantly steps foot into a Roman centurion's home. And it's there where he comes to the realization that if God was willing to accept people regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their background, regardless of the skin color, regardless of where they came from, regardless of what they've done in the past, that he too can do the same. Sound kind of like the challenge that Jonah had about accepting people that God wanted to save? Remember, I told you that would come into play at the end here. Simon was the son of Jonah. He really was like a son even of the prophet Jonah, where Jonah's in the Old Testament story ended with a question mark. Peter's ends with a period. He reaches those people. Funny thing about Peter is just how many Christians identify with him. There is something about his redemptive arc that strikes a chord with all of us. Let me ask you, you guys have heard the summary of Peter's life here in the last several minutes. Is there a single one of you in here who would say Peter was a failure? Anyone? Would you say his life was a waste? then neither's yours. As I dug into the life of Peter for the study, I kept thinking of Proverbs 24, 16. A righteous man or a person falls seven times and gets up again, rises up again. You know, Peter was not perfect by any means. None of us are, but our God is. And he uses the brokenness, the hurts, the mistakes, the shortcomings in our lives, and he turns them into beauty. Friends, if you, have any, if you learn anything from Peter tonight, let it be that the measure of your life's success is not found in how many times you fall. It's in how many times you get back up. No matter what your past, no matter what happened yesterday, man, no matter what happened in the parking lot on your way in here tonight, you do not have any sin or shortcoming or addiction or bad habit that has not been covered by the cross. It doesn't matter what the sin or shame in your life, that is not what God sees when he looks at you. He sees you for who you can be. And if you have any doubt in what I'm saying, look back through these stories in Peter's life and see the man that he was when Jesus found him and see the man that he was serving the church at Jerusalem. God can do that same for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm humbled by the thought that you are willing to take me in my imperfection. I'm reminded of the song that says, you take me just as I am, but will not leave me just as I am. So Father, I pray for these, my friends here tonight, that whatever might be on their heart, that they would realize you are with them right now as they are 
and you want to bring them into the next step in their lives. You want to bring them in the next step of their spiritual journey. You want to uh, grow them. You want to encourage them. You want to strengthen them. You want to shore them up, whatever it might be, Father. I pray that that would happen in their lives here tonight and that they would open themselves up to whatever you have for them and that you would continue to use this church, these people, to make a difference in this community for you. We love you, Father, in your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.